It's the Better Than Average podcast. I'm at practice watching a goal line play right now. Will Rogers leading the offense. Little pump fake to the outside, going back to his left, completes it, and you're going to have a little collision over there. Woody Marks at about the five, make about three. It'll be second and goal. Better than average. You play football. Football? Oh, no. Juggernaut of a podcast. Better than average. It's like a radio show that's not on the radio. Coach, it's a great day for you, huh? Yeah, it's better than average, I'll tell you that. <laughs> All right, good morning. Coffee is hot. And the pads are popping. We've had a full patch practice, so it feels a little bit more like football. Um, today I'm going to, I don't know, just share some observations with you on a few things, uh, including quarterbacks, uh, the you know supposed competition between Will Rogers and Chance Lovertich, um, some of the others as well. So I'll look at that. Uh, defensive front guys, you know, there's – you saw some interviews after practice yesterday with uh, Jaden Crumedy, uh, with Jordan Davis, and Davis sort of a linebacker slash defensive end. I don't know that you'll ever see him with his hand down in the middle, but who knows. But I want to talk about a couple of guys who I think you know um, are a big part of the defensive front, especially that defensive tackle position that not a lot of other people are talking about, actually. Uh, so we'll do that. I'm take a look again at a few receivers, too, that after a few more days of practice and, and again, watching a full-patch practice, Makai Polk saw Rufus Harvey make a heck of a play in a corner of the end zone. I was uh, recording something on my phone, and they're doing one-on-ones. It turns out it was the last play of one-on-ones, and they threw the ball in a corner route right in front of me, and it was a great catch. And I'll play the audio of that because I was rolling on it. And then... Uh, Another guy, Caleb Ducking, talk a little bit about him also. I'm going to take a, a few minutes here to look at Jaden Wally in this episode, just talk about kind of, you know, what I see and what it looks like, basic observations, which that's what any of these are, frankly, basic observations. Um, and then on the defensive side, corners and safeties. We'll talk a little bit about that before it's done. And, and the last thing, maybe the fifth thing in this episode, you know, coaching styles, um, I'm not in the meeting rooms with them, so I can't speak to what that's like going through film session with these particular coaches. But out on the field, you know, you can see a certain coaching style on offense and defense, and I'll kind of go over that with you a little bit. All right, a sip of coffee from High Point Roasters in New Albany. There we go. One more message from sponsors, and we'll be off and running. The Better Than Average podcast is supported by Mississippi Land Bank. The reason you need to know about them is, first of all, I don't know, of, I don't think anybody knows of a better investment right now than land. Now, certainly if you're a farmer, you're in the farming world, you understand that, okay? It's a whole different proposition. But what if you aren't a farmer? Uh, maybe land for building that dream home, recreational property, or even looking at it from an investment standpoint. Go to Mississippi Land Bank if you're in North Mississippi, okay? Check them out online mslandbank.com All right, quarterbacks. Uh looks to me like Will Rogers is in control. He he's got a pretty good command of everything and, and I know a lot of times you hear that you hear okay, well, he's got a command, you're thinking he's got a command of the offense. And I really mean it on a on a greater scope than just that. He he seems to just sort of be in charge of everything to be honest with you. And I think that's what has led some people 
who've either been out there or heard about it to believe that, you know, there is no competition at all. It's just his deal. You know, if if we're looking at it accurately, my observation is, yeah, it's probably, you know, his job to lose. Just he's he's getting most of the one reps at practice the way it looks to me. Um, anytime they go team stuff, he's the first one to go. He's first in drills. And frankly, he's the best of the group um, in terms of just everything, you know, that would that would lead me to say that it just looks like he, he's in command of the whole thing. Uh, he's accurate. It looks like he knows where the ball goes. You don't see a lot of bad throws. Um, and he, he's just kind of, he's like the tallest, uh, you know, well, I guess in the competition with Levertich, obviously he's a taller, longer athlete. You know, there's some young guys who may be a little taller than him, but he's a little bit taller, longer athlete, I think, than people realize, especially you see him up close and in person out there on the field. But um, Will, to me, looks like, you know, he's, the progression is ramping up for him. Um, I tell you another observation too, and again, I'm I'm not going to their workouts in a weight room. Um, you know, I've seen and heard, but I'm not there every day. I'm just I've been out at practice some, but I get the feeling that he is a genuine leader. Like he's he's encouraging. He's bringing people up around him. He does a little talking. He is vocal. Uh, he hustles. Um, he's trying to, you know, kind of lead by example in that way. I think it comes natural to him. I don't think it's fake at all. I don't think it's a put on at all. I think he kind of naturally is a leader, and they probably like that about him. I just think he's doing a good job. It's the way it looks to me. Um, so then you throw in there the fact that Abraham is not there. Uh, the times that I've been out at practice, I have not seen him. You know, and I will admit I've had a couple of practices where they're starting at around. 225-230. They may actually kind of trickle out on the field before that, but I think their practices are officially starting at about that time until classes start. And so I've had a few where I actually only did two hours of my radio show, got off the air at 2 o'clock, and Tupelo jumped in a car, drove an hour to start to get to practice. And that put me there around 3 or just a little after 3. And uh, so I, I might have, like I said, I've had a few where I walked up there about a half hour after they got on the field. And I've yet to see Jack Abraham out there. I know that some people have said, well, he came out early, but I've yet to see him out there. So, you know, you hate it. I hate it. Whatever's going on with Jack. And I know everybody's heard the rumors. You know, what I had heard was the same thing that. You know, it was kind of a freak accident, concussion during some drill stuff back in the summer, maybe around June. It got popped in the face, you know, concussion deal. Um, it might have involved getting busted open and having to have some stitches also, but uh, I hadn't seen him, so I can't confirm that. Um, but, you know, again, based on what I've been told is he got through the concussion stuff and was kind of past the protocol stuff, but has been dealing with some headache issues that are keeping him out of stuff. And you just hate it for him. But, you know, as far as what it means for the team, I um, I, th- I think it's hard for me to imagine that Jack would have missed the, you know, even if it's the first six practices, which is what we are 
through at this point. It's hard for me to imagine that he would miss the first six practices completely and then be able to come back out at some point and inject himself in the competition for the starting job. Now, you know, is it possible that, you know, one day he feels fine the rest of the way and he's able to jump back out there and get going, get ramped up in practice and maybe provide some depth and help the team that way? And you never know down the road, people get hurt, that kind of thing. Well, yeah, that seems, to me anyway, it seems like a possibility. But, you know, as far as competing for the starting job going into the first game, I know it's really early in practice, but to miss the first six practices, it would be kind of foreign to me to think you could do that, come out after all that, and, and inject yourself back into the competition for a starting job. I don't really see that happening. But, you know, I'm not speaking for anybody. I hadn't talked to our coaches about it. They may feel totally different. That's just my observation I'm passing along to you. So then you move on to Chance Lovertich. And, you know, what I see with him is he's obviously the smallest guy in the group. You know, you line all the quarterbacks up that you have. Uh, he's, in terms of height, he has the least – um, but he seems to really be running the offense uh, when he's out there. Now, I, I, there's a at times a little bit of a notable, noticeable difference in in terms of the consistency in the offense when he's out there versus Will Rogers, and I think that's what keeps Will ahead right now. But you know, Lovertich to me looks like he's gotten a lot better. Completion percentage is up, um, and he does a nice job. Um, I don't know. I mean, there's a few times maybe in the team stuff where you can tell that as far as being able to see and looking at hitting somebody, throwing somebody in the middle of the field, he has a hard time seeing because of all these big offensive linemen in front of him. And, you know, he's not anywhere near six feet tall. But he moves around really well. He's got plenty of arm strength. He throws the sideline stuff really well. He's accurate on slant stuff. He's accurate on screens. Um, he reads the middle of the field deep pretty well. I've seen him, you know, completions up the middle of the field. It's one of those where if he keeps going, you can just tell. If he keeps going, uh, if he has to play, one, he doesn't seem like somebody who would be affected all that much by having to go into a ball game and play. And and two, I feel like I've seen enough from him in practice to think that, you know what, he's going to be able to run your offense. Um, again, I'm not – you know the I'm not in the meetings I'm not breaking down their film I'm just glancing at practice and it looks like to me that you know Will is ahead I mean Chance if he wants to be the starter he's really going to have to overtake Will that's the way it looks but he's competing okay so as far as it being an open competition this is what I would say is no really no coach no staff it, w- without a sure enough established veteran starter is going to have a fall camp quarterback competition without keeping a totally open mind about it. Okay, that's everybody. Well, then on top of that, you look at Mike Leach and his history with quarterbacks and offenses, and I can just tell you, like, it's real. Like, he's completely open-minded about it. So me sitting here saying – yeah, Will looks like he's in charge. He looks like the leader of the offense, the way he operates and all. That's my observation from the side. But it's six days into camp. You've had one day of full-patch practice, 
And the last thing that I think your coaching staff is going to do is in any way, whether it be in the media or anything, ending a quarterback competition, they want it to continue. And they they want Lovertich to push, 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 and keep getting better. And, and if his completion percentage keeps going up the way it's going up, again, looking at it to me, then they're going to con- keep on competing. And I think it's real. I think the way Leach and those guys will approach it is you kind of have to go win the job every day. It's not like you can live off what you did in Mondays and Tuesdays practice. It's Wednesday or it's Thursday, it's Friday. You got to go win the job again today. And that's the way they want it. And so, you know, you can call that coach speak. And people can easily sit here and predict that Will Rogers is going to be your starter. I mean, that's right. That's easy to predict because I think very uh, matter of factly, it's his job to lose. But what that means is every day he and Lovertich are getting all these reps. And every single one of them is looked at and evaluated by the coaching staff. And all it would take is, you know, a couple of bad days in a row at practice for Will paired with a couple of really good ones from Lovertage. And that coaching staff is going to start going, well, if he keeps this up, we'll play the guy who's better by the time we play that first game. And that's just – it seems to me that's the way they've approached it in the past, and that's probably the way they're going to approach it this time. Better Than Average podcast is supported by Mississippi Farm Bureau Insurance. They are your home team, your hometown heroes. The reason we call them that is because they live in your hometown. And, you know, if you have that fender bender at 11 o'clock on a Saturday night, you don't have to wait until Monday morning and sit on hold on an 800 number talking to somebody three states away. Um, The agents are local. They are in your town, in your county. You know, they're, they're sitting in the carpool line with you at school picking up kids they're they go to church with you they're in the stands with you on friday nights the adjusters the same way it is a local company and that's why i say your hometown heroes are your local farm bureau insurance agents in all 82 counties around the state of mississippi defensive tackles all right cameron young number 93 he's from crosby went to franklin county high school he is a red shirt junior technically on the roster, uh, but meaning that technically he has two years left. Since last year didn't really count, depending on how his career plays out, he may have three years left. And he's a name I think you need to know, we all need to know. Uh, He looks to me to be playing well in that defensive front. You look back at last year, he was a guy who at times sort of surprised. I just remember from that Georgia game, uh, he was really good in that Georgia game. Go back and watch it. Um, three tackles, um, tackle for loss, broke up a pass. You know, they had 11 tackles for loss in that game. He was a big part of it. They held Georgia the uh, fewest yards, rushing yards allowed by state in a game since like 2006 or something like that. Well, he was a big part of it, and he played well. And he's sort of a leader in that group. Um, Not only can you sort of see that when you watch the position group under Coach Phelps but at, at practice, but you know, other people are talking about that. I've heard some other people talking about him. Uh, so he's a part of this. You know, when we talk about defensive tackles for state, we always talk about, you know, Crummity and, and Pickering. But I think 
Cameron Young's going to be a big part of this defense. And, um, you know, he's listed 6'3", 310. So, I mean, he's the right kind of size and at over 300 pounds, uh, really strong, moves around really well, just understands leverage. And um, I think he's a really good player. Going to be a really big part of your defense, not only this year, but going forward. So circle number 93, you know, when we have these conversations about defense, don't leave him out. I think he's a pretty good player for you. Um, now, there's been some talk about Nathan Pickering. You know, I don't – I'll just give you my observations. Why I haven't watched every rep that he's taken and every rep, you know, and I go to practice, I kind of move around, watch offense, and try to keep an eye on both. I don't know why it is, but, on you know, logistically on state's practice fields, it's, it's like when they go into individuals, the defensive linemen are kind of the farthest away from where I enter – um, the practice field. And so sometimes it's a little difficult for me to make my way all the way over there. And I've watched some of it from a distance. One time did walk over. But then when they have done some one-on-one pass rush with uh, the offensive line group, including yesterday in full pads, you know, watching Pickering, I mean, he looks fine to me. I think, you know, he's got to get his motor revved up. Um, I saw him yesterday. He had a really good rep of inside pass rush against the uh, Quinston Sharp, who's your starting center. Um, they had a pretty good battle there, and I think Sharp won one that I saw, and then Pickering won one who, you know, when when his motor revs, he's pretty hard to block. 6'4", 300, there's no doubt about his talent uh, coming into his junior year. So I think it's going to be fine. It's just a matter of kind of getting rev back up, getting in football shape, and they're all really that way. Uh, I say all of them. I mean some more than others. But I think as a team, what I looked at yesterday in full pads, it was physical practice. It was really hot. Tempers flared a few times, pushing and shoving, and um, that kind of thing happened a couple times. Pretty physical practice, but you could see that it was practice number six. It had been extremely hot for a couple days, and – and they're fighting through some some dragging around. Um, you know, I'm watching Pickering yesterday. I thought a few times he had some pretty good energy about him. So I don't have any doubts. My, I don't, anyway, of the fact that he's going to work himself back into it and be ready to go by the time um, September rolls around. All right, uh, on to some receivers, just a few thoughts. You know, I see Makai Polk continuing to progress. Every time you go out there, I see him – Winning one-on-one routes, he's really hard for them to jam him at the line of scrimmage. He just, he just kind of understands what he's doing. He's a workman, you know. And then when I say you know he's a workman, it gives you the impression that he's, you know, not explosive or not flashy. And that's not really the case. I mean, he is explosive. He can beat people down the field. I think he does a really nice job in the middle of the field when it calls for him to go there. He does a nice job spacing on screens. He catches the football, uh, one-on-one stuff. They go goal line and, and one-on-one. He does a nice job when they're back-shouldering him. He understands positioning. He'll go up and high-point the football really well. I just think, to me, early on, Polk has sort of looked like the guy at the outside receiver position. You know, Tulu has looked good, too. He got a little banged up, but he you know, looks fine to me, um, and he's good. He's a little younger than Polk, a little less experienced and still learning. But, 
you know, he's experienced. You got Malik Heath there who, you know, it's a matter of consistency with him. He'll do some great things at times. He's got to do it more often. Um, but it looks like, to me, Polk has sort of elevated himself at that outside receiver position. Seems that way to me anyway. Um, all right, Rufus Harvey. We talked about slot guys the other day, and I didn't really talk about him, but I think Harvey is one who definitely factors in to the slot receiver position, and I saw him make a heck of a play. You know, and Rufus is the red shirt freshman this year coming out of Starkville High School. He's wearing number 82, 5'10", 170 pounds in the slot. Uh, he can really run, and he had a fantastic catch right in front of me yesterday at practice. <laughs> Touchdown. Touchdown. Rufus Harvey punched the football. Outstanding catch right in front of me. No, he's in bounds. He is in bounds. You got a penalty flag on the play right there. There it is right there. There it is right there. <laughs> I had to tell Coach McBath that it was a touchdown. We could look at the spike marks in the end zone. At any rate, that was a heck of a throw right there from Will Rogers to Rufus Harvey in the back corner of the end zone for a touchdown here. Going full team, uh, full pads, 11-on-11, really competitive. Uh, defense made a lot of plays, but the offense found some big plays in there too, so it was pretty competitive. That was the last um, rep in the uh, one-on-one passing down on the goal line stuff, and they were keeping score. And It was, if I could explain it to you, like it's a – you know, it's a little hesitation route that turned into the go fade into the back corner of the end zone. And the quarterback, Will Rogers, put it right on the pylon. It's a perfect throw. The coverage was extremely tight. Like, the guy was in position right there. And Harvey just did a slightly better job of, of you know, um, out-jumping him. They were running full speed into that back corner, so the momentum was kind of going to carry him out of bounds, but he out-jumped him a little bit, and he just did a little bit better job of turning his body than the DB did to get to the football. And so he didn't catch it and stick it completely clean. Uh, you know, he bobbled it just a little, so it's catch it, bobble it, coming down, his feet you know, are in. They knock the pylon down as he secures a football, and – I think it's one that would have been – well, the officials that were at practice called it a touchdown. They probably would have reviewed it in a game and given him a touchdown. Uh, you could see the spike marks in the turf in the end zone. So Coach McBath came over. He's telling the official, no, he's out of bounds. But I was standing right there, and I couldn't help but reach down and point at the turf and say it was right here. And he pointed at me and laughed and told me to get out of there. So I did. Uh, but I'm pretty sure it was a touchdown. It was a heck of a play. And then uh, Caleb Ducking is a guy on the outside. Saw him make a couple plays yesterday, and he made a really nice um, catch on a – I wouldn't call it a jump ball because the timing of the fade route in the back end zone was a – it's not one of those jump ball deals. It was a pretty good throw and pretty good timing. It was a really nice route against tight coverage from a younger DB, and he goes up and just longer arms and reaches over him, catches the football, stays in bounds, and – uh, Neil Price and I were standing there watching practice together at that point, and we commented that you know if he keeps going, he's got a chance to, I think, have a good year. And what it looks like to me is, you know, he's in good shape. Obviously, you know, he's playing receiver, he's running like crazy. They all are in this offense. He's in good shape, but he's going to be in even better shape 
in another, you know, eight to ten days of this practice stuff. And when he does, I think the light bulb then is really going to come on for him. Um, he's got a chance to be good. You just got to get some reps under him. You know, he hasn't played in ball games, all the potential in the world. You just got to play in some games and start getting those reps, and that's when you really take the next step. But physically and every other way, um, he looks good, and it's going to be a big part of your offense. All right, I mentioned Jaden Wally. Uh, he looks fine to me in terms of his health and, and that coming off that uh, tweaking of a knee back in the spring. Yeah, he looks fine. Coaches have said he's fine. You know, he has been full go at practice, no issues. In fact, I may be wrong about this. I don't think I am. I don't think I've even noticed like a knee brace or anything at practice. So I, I think he's 100% full go, no issues. Yesterday, <clears throat> this is the kind of thing that I'm not at all reporting any kind of injury at all from practice, nothing like that. But watching practice yesterday, there was a rep where um, I think this was in the Pascal, where it was like seven on seven portion. I think that's when it was. But anyway, you know, he catches one and um, might have been a screen. Yeah, it might have been a screen throw. He catches it. Uh, blockers in front of him are doing okay, but they kind of let somebody squeeze through. He gets hit. He fought through the contact, make a few positive yards. And uh, they kind of tackled him low. And when he popped up, he was uh, just the slightest little bit of a limp. He looks down at his foot, you know, and a slight little bit of a limp. He goes back, but no grimacing, no grabbing it, nothing like that. And uh, one of the defensive guys was standing right there, and they said, you good? You okay? And he said, yeah, I'm fine. And then he never showed another limp. He's full speed the rest of the way, which is just one of those little bitty things that told me, Okay, yeah, he's 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 fine. Um, you know, if there were any kind of lingering issue, a guy like Wally, he hops up with even just the momentary limp. You know, trainers go swarming in there and they get him out of the drill. That's not the case. He's hundred percent full go. There's no issues. Looks good. He's really smooth. You know, he catches the ball really well. He's smooth in the middle of the field. It's like just a second year player, but he and everybody else knows what they have in him, uh, and that's a big future. His route running is improving. You can hear at times, you know, Coach Nickel and others really coaching him and trying to drive that point home about the consistency. One thing I like about Coach Leach, too, is he'll watch certain guys, you know, especially guys who are key to a certain play, and if they do something wrong, you know, they don't quite get it right. Immediately you hear Coach Leach a lot of times in practice, run it again, run it again, line up, run it again. You know, he wants it. He wants you to experience getting it right. Uh, but while he's healthy, it looks like his route running is improving. He's really smooth out there, so you know, encouraging for him. All right, on to the corners. Um, I know there's been some talk about it. But watching him again, what I like about the group is what you have up front, obviously. You know, if you keep Emerson and Forbes healthy throughout the year. You're good at corner. You're very good. If you get injuries there and they have to miss significant time, um, yeah, it changes it for sure. But I think that's the case for 99% of college teams is if you lose one of your first two corners, you know, you have a drop-off. Well, that's why you have a depth chart, right? It's not a mystery. But uh, Ferg is getting better. You know, he, he struggled at some times – Last year, but it was his first year playing college football. First year on the field. First year seeing all of it. 
And, you know, early in the year, you know, he had some times where they took advantage of him and got him out of position and beat him down the field. He had some mental mistakes. Um, but one thing you did notice is go back is when he didn't have, you know, some mental mistakes last year, he made some plays. Well, then he took a big step in the spring. He he played well in the spring. Of course, it's just spring. But seems to have the work ethic, good kid, right attitude, tough, um, really wants to do well. And when you got a guy like that who's coachable, he's just going to improve. And I, th- I see him improving. So you like that there's some experience there at your third corner. The Cameron Richardson – Tremendous upside as your fourth corner length, and they really like him. And he's another one who he works really hard. You know, he's all that whole group. They they're fun to watch at practice now because they're serious about it. They are physical. They are tough. They work. Um, so I, I like the group. You know, so there's kind of your two deep, all right. And then you get once you get three deep at either of those corners, you're just talking about new guys, young guys. You know, and so. It, Again, depth at corner, I'm not really concerned about it because it's no different than any other year. I mean, you I can't remember a team where you had three deep at both corner positions where if somebody got hurt, you weren't worried about it. I mean, nobody has that outside of, you know, maybe Alabama and Clemson. That's about it. You know, everybody else in the same boat, and that is your first two guys are starters for a reason. Your backups are – Backups for a reason. You get down to a third guy due to injuries or anything else, and you're struggling. You know, you gotta. You're struggling trying to get guys to play up, and that's the, the case for everybody. But when you're starting a year with two corners, one on either side, who you're pretty confident both are going to play NFL football real soon, <laughs> then that's a pretty good starting point uh, right there. I noticed something yesterday, and that was um, Emmanuel Forbes. He's just a second-year player. It was really cool to watch him. They were doing some seven-on-seven goal line stuff, uh, full-speed stuff, and oh, I say goal line, red zone, goal line, you know, end zone stuff. Forbes had gotten a couple of reps. They did a, and then did a group change. So you had younger guys on the field, and he stayed over on the offensive side of the field, and just off the sideline, right by the official and the lines judge, and was basically coaching the young corner on that side. He was telling him what to look for. The offense lined up. He's he's telling him, all right, give me step back, take a step back. You know, he's getting him lined up. He was giving him pointers, and I love seeing that as a young guy who's helping another young guy. But even though he's young, Forbes is already kind of taking a leadership role with that group. And I was just really impressed with that, and uh, that's kind of what you are hoping to get out of uh, guys who are returning is that they are conscientious about what's going on with the team, not just about their own individual reps all the time. That's a positive sign. Okay, and then uh, the safety position, you know, depth there is something to keep an eye on too because that's a position you don't, you know, you don't really need injuries. You're, you play a lot of safeties. That's the thing about it in this defense. You know, you see a lot of reps where there are three safeties or three guys from the safety position group who are on the field uh, at the same time. So when you go Jalen Green, who transfers in from Texas, he's kind of at the top of that group, all right? And, of course, he has a 
um, history, a little bit of a history at that position. I'm sorry, a little bit of a history with the coaching staff. They knew him when he was at uh, Texas. So they're making the move to safety from corner, and, and he's doing well. Sean Preston in that group has played, doing well, kind of a known quantity. Colin Duncan in that group, that's the third guy, known quantity, has played a lot. And then Fred Peters, who is a big part of it also. Okay, so when you look at those four players – like, I think those are probably the four leading that group right now. Anyway, it's just the way it looks at practice. They're all getting a lot of reps. And I'm going to talk about some others. But when you go Green, Preston, Duncan, and Peters, you got a group you feel really good about. <clears throat> and then when you move into the, the next group of guys who are challenging them and getting a lot of reps at practice, Dylan Lawrence, who – some of y'all, when you get a chance to see Dylan in person, you're going to be kind of struck that he's a safety because he's 6'4", 205. He looks like an outside receiver. He is long and tall, but he's a big physical safety and just a young guy. Okay, so Dylan Lawrence is in that next group. London Kraft, who's played for you uh, last year. In play. Uh, I've seen uh, Dean make some plays at practice. I've seen Jamison, uh, Jay Jemison make some plays at practice. He's in that sort of next group, Gidry, sort of in that next group. And there are some others who are getting a lot of reps. Kyle Cass is a bigger uh, safety back there at 6'2". They're all in that group that are really pushing and challenging to get you know, more reps and to you know, maybe get into that rotation at safety a little more often. Because once you get in the game, you know, if you got three on the field a bunch and you got a top four depending on the way that they position those guys, those will be rotating in more often than not. So it's I don't necessarily see a, a depth issue at that position. It's just that next group, you need some guys to really elevate. Um, because if you were to play a year, let's, you know, if you have injuries to anybody in that top four, Green or Preston or, you know, Duncan, somebody like that then some of those other guys are definitely going to have to step up. Just because the nature of the defense at 3-3-5, you're very dependent on safeties. Um, and they'll play all over the field the way you line them up. And then we'll wrap it up here, just watching practice. It's fun to pay attention to the coaching styles. You know, watching Zach Arnett yesterday um, during some of the team stuff, he is – I don't know. I, I would describe it as a really good mix of loose and want the defense to to free up and play loose and fly around and have some fun, while at the same time taking it very seriously. If that makes any sense, it sounds like a little bit of an oxymoron, but like he coaches them really, really hard. You can tell that he is one of these coaches who naturally understands which guys you have to push a button with and which buttons to push. You know, like there's one guy who you need to look for an opportunity to talk to him quietly. There's another guy who the way you motivate him is, you know, you, you chew him out right in front of everybody. <laughs> you know, it's like he kind of, it's like you can tell he kind of understands, but at the same time you'll see smiling and yelling and screaming and celebrating and, and having some fun and joking around with the other coaches. And so it's a really nice mix in there of kind of keeping it loose, but accepting 
nothing less than 100% full-out, all-out effort and getting it perfect. You know, you're not going to accept anything less. It's interesting to watch those coaching styles. Um, Steve Spurrier Jr. is a guy, to me, it's his is very he has a very pragmatic coaching style so you hear that again you might think of a guy who's flatline i don't mean that at all a lot of energy he's he he's constantly in the ear of his outside receivers on every rep like constantly and what i mean is very pragmatic is he's not a coach who he's just going to tell you all right great job you know on every rep if you didn't do a great job, he's going to say, that was terrible. Okay, and then he moves right on. <laughs> so his coaching style, it, I'm not totally evaluating his coaching style. It's just one thing I've noticed with him watching practice is whatever happens in that rep, he's going to reinforce it and then move on immediately to who's on the field now in this rep and will come back. And so if you screw it up, he's going to tell you, that's not good enough, okay? That one ain't going to work. That's not good enough. The next one, it may be a good job. He tells you good job. But what it means to me is as a player, I like it because every rep, his receivers are getting immediate feedback on either was that good or bad. It's like Makai Polk, you know, yesterday I saw four or five different times he runs a rep. He immediately hears from his coach, Spurrier Jr., who says, that was it. That was a good job right there. Here's what you did well. That a boy. And then there were a couple. There was one I, I – I think it was a screen play that didn't get off, and he might have actually dropped the ball. I can't remember, but but I remember immediately, um, not in a crushing way or anything. The reinforcement was immediately from Spurrier Jr. He just tells him that ain't going to cut it, Makai. That ain't going to cut it. Okay. Well, then the very next rep, he scores, and he's like, "That's a great job." You know, so you're getting immediate feedback in a very pragmatic way. You don't have to wait until the film session to wonder, "Hey, what did Coach think about that particular rep?" You notice all those things. Um, Coach Leach, you know, he's there. He's sort of the the general. He's running the whole thing, especially from an offensive standpoint. But he's the one you hear vocally the least, like in terms of you'd have to be pretty close to him or in the drill to hear him give the call and to hear his feedback. He's not a loud voice guy. He's not a yeller or a screamer. He's definitely in control. You know, the most vocal guys, the ones you hear the most, are assistant coaches um, uh, coaching their positions. Um, you know, one guy who coaches really, uh, really hard is the outside linebackers coach, Coach Brock. Um, he's probably, of all of them, uh, maybe the most vocal. It's just constant feedback, constant push, push, push. Uh, he really coaches hard. And he's one I notice if you get it right, that's just sort of the expectation. And if you get it wrong or you're out of position, not only are you going to hear it, everybody's going to hear it. <laughs> he really he really gets after him. It's fun to watch, you know, the different styles and personalities and the way they coach their position, but in talking to some of the assistants, it's one thing they like is Coach Leach sort of lets them coach. And so far, you know, in their stops, it has worked. All right, so um, there you go. That's That'll pretty much wrap it up. Thoughts, covering a lot of ground. Hope you enjoyed the podcast here on Better Than Average, presented by Mississippi Land Bank, mslandbank.com, and by Mississippi Farm Bureau Insurance. 
Check them out at favorites.com. And since you stayed to the very end of the podcast, I'll give you one more nugget of information. Uh, it's an opinion. I was talking yesterday with some guys at practice, and we came up with a list of the most important players to keep healthy this year, the top five, one, two, three, four, five, in this order, the most important players to keep healthy this year. Number one, Will Rogers. Number two, Martin Emerson. Number three, Charles Cross. Number four, the other corner, Emmanuel Forbes. And number five, Aaron Brule. We felt like those five players in that order, Rogers, Emerson, Cross, Forbes, and Brule, are, you really need those guys to stay healthy throughout the year to, to be able to maybe jump up there and ring the bell of your potential in 2021. Little nugget for those that stay to the end of the podcast. Thanks for listening. I'll see you on the next one.